limited. It fills all space. It fills all time. What in the world does that have to do with anything? That means it fills me up. It's the same as last week. It can fill you up, and there's just as much as you can have to fill you up. I can still fill you up. He's unlimited. I'm not afraid of it. There's only so much our body can know. Only so much our heart can feel. Only so much we'll ever live and have the strength to do. So if I want more of God who is unlimited, but I'm not like that, then the only way for me to get more of Jesus The only way he can be more in control of my will and my life is if I hand that control over to him. And I take my hands off of him and there's less of me. The only way he's going to increase in our life is when we decrease. So if you want more of Jesus today, you've got to push yourself out. How do you do that? You surrender. God, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to say, I'll do it. Well, I know I don't feel like standing up, but I'm going to stand up because I want more of you. And I know that I don't feel like worshiping, but, but I'm going to worship you anyway because I want more of you. Amen. God, I know I'm not comfortable handing over control of my life, but God, I've made a mess, and I want you to be in control. So, Lord, here it is. I want more of God. Fill me up. Press it down. Let it run over again. I want more of Jesus. He's here today. That unlimited God is in our midst today. If you want more of Him, it's here to ask Just let your flesh take a back seat. Do what the Spirit leads you to do. You'll find more of God. Yeah. Have your Bibles. If you'd like to go with me today, just one verse I want to. Reread to you the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 3. And I'll read just one verse in Proverbs 24. What's this 1 Corinthians? Let's go back here. 1 Corinthians, chapter 3, and verse nope. 9. It's kind of the memory verse of this series. Oh, oh, no. 1 Corinthians, chapter 3, and verse 9 says, For we, the church, we are laborers together with God. You are God's husband. That's the field or the vineyard. You are God's husband. You are God's building. That analogy is used. Both of them describe us laborers together with God. Let's look to Proverbs chapter 24. So that you'll know where we're going today. Verse 27, wise Solomon writes, prepare thy work without 
prepare things in the field first. And then build your house. I'm going to preach to you for a little while again this morning on prepare. Can we lift up our hands, our voices, let's worship you together. Oh God of the heavens, we love you. We glorify you. We praise you. We exalt you. Oh Lord, you are a good gospel. You alone are good. Oh, would you fill this place with your glory? Would you fill our souls with your spirit? Would you transform our minds? In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in your life. Last week, uh, we introduced this series and began down this path, which it will really kind of be the theme for our year, I do believe. We introduced this series simply entitled, Prepare. It's all about preparation. So I would ask you a question today. Do you believe that the Lord is coming? Yeah. I believe it's unanimous. We believe that the Lord is coming, but, but do you believe that the Lord is coming soon? Do you believe that we are living in the last days of the last days? That we are standing in front of the door. And it's almost like the hand of our God is reaching out to turn the door out and to open it up and turn around to an angel and say, grab the trumpet and blow as loud as you can. We believe in our soul today that God is coming soon. That is true. And if we believe that with all of our hearts, then we must prepare. We must prepare for that day to come. After all, in the New Testament, before our Lord and our Savior Jesus himself came the first time, preparations had to be made. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 40 and verse 3 of his book said the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The prophet spoke and said if the Lord is going to come, then somebody has to prepare the way. What happened? Who was that somebody? That somebody was John the Baptist. He was a man that in the wilderness, he began to preach and he began to say these very same words. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. What was he talking about? He was telling an entire generation of people, repent for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Our God is coming and you've got to be ready. I come to tell you today, if you're not already, you got to get ready. The Lord's coming. There's no time to put it off. There's no time to think about it for another service or even afternoon. If you're not ready to be called today, don't walk out the doors of this church without being filled with the Holy Ghost. I want my soul to be prepared for the Lord to come. I want my house to be prepared. I don't want my wife. I don't want my children to be lost. I want my house. 
to be prepared. And I want this church to be prepared. So, man of God, I've got to stand before God and give an account. Did you preach it? Did you teach it? Did you shepherd them? Did you tell them that I was coming? Did you tell them to make their, the way of the Lord right? I want this church to be prepared. We're the bride of Christ. And we're not the friend of the bridegroom. I want to make sure that we are what he's looking for. Which at all times means we have to make preparations. Not only is coming, I want us to be ready for everything else that precedes it. I want the church to be ready for revival. I want the church to be ready for the harvest. God forbid a harvest come in and I don't have a barn to put in. I want us to be prepared for everything that God is doing. Last week we talked about the very first step. If you want to be part of what God is doing, if you want to be prepared, the first thing you've got to do is to be saved. Wow. You can't save anybody else if you're not saved yourself. I mean, it's going to be simpler than that. If you're not right with God, you're not needing anybody else to get right with God. You can tell them about the Bible all you want to, but you can't lead somewhere, somebody somewhere you've never been. Amen. And I'm telling you, folks, I've been in the Spirit before. I can tell you about it. I've got the power of the Holy Ghost. I can tell you about it. I know what some of those scriptures mean under the mild inspiration of His Spirit. I can tell you what I said before. But you got to be saved. You're no good to anybody if you're not saved. Why are we so hard on, on teenagers coming up and who they date and who they don't date? Because until they establish their own walk with God, and until they're standing on a firm foundation with God, they ain't got no business messing somebody else's life up. Amen. The worst thing you can ever do is take your hot mess and marry it up with somebody else's hot mess. If you can't love God, you can't love another man or another woman. Because God is... You can't have one without the other. You've got to be saved. You've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You've got to be ready. Take Once you are saved, and once you've gotten that start, once you've been born again of the water and of the Spirit, then you can become a witness for the Lord. Then you can become a soul winner. You can be somebody. That I, I don't care if you can't explain all the ins and outs of the book of Hebrews or not. You can tell them, hey, if you'll just repent like I did and be baptized like I was, you can be filled with the spirit that I've got. Once you're saved, you can be a witness for him. Then you have a foundation in Jesus Christ that you can begin building something on. It's just a starting point, but you can start putting things on top of a foundation that's never going to crumble. And so you begin building your own walk with God. I call it CPR. Come, pray, read. You come to the church, you repent, you get baptized in Jesus.
feast day was filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you what this pastor is going to tell you. I'm going to tell you to come. I'm going to tell you to pray. And I'm going to tell you to read. Because if you'll keep coming to the house of God every time the doors are open. If you'll spend some time in prayer with the Lord every day, if you'll spend some time in His Word every day, you're not going to get all your questions answered in a week. You're not going to get everything right in a month, but you're going to survive. You're going to keep on breathing. You're going to keep on walking. You're going to keep on walking in the Spirit enough to start building something with God. Because that's what we're here to do. Is to build something with a foundation of God. And it all starts with being faithful to his house and being faithful to prayer and faithful to the study of the word of God. And no, two out of three won't do. you got to have it all. You're never going to understand the word of God if you don't pray. You're going to run out of the motivation to pray if you don't get in the word of God. And it ain't ever going to all come together like it's supposed to until you come to the house of God amongst the people of God. You just got to knock it out of the park. Go around all three bases. Well, let's get to the point for today. Remember what Paul was talking about in Corinthians. He said, we're both God's building as well as his husbandry, or as well as his field. And this is where we're going today. Solomon wrote that before you build your house, before you begin constructing something in your life, before you start drawing up the plans for the mansion you're going to live in one day and digging out the footers and calling for the cement truck to back it up on your property, you've got to have something else first. There's got to be something else first. You must have things prepared for in the field. He said, make things right in the field first. Before you build your house. And there's a whole lot of things that could be learned here, but you know, we ain't got all day. We really do have all day, but y'all won't stay all day. Somebody's gonna eat, somebody's gonna take it down, nobody will be here all day. There's a whole lot of things that, that could be learned. You should always have a plan. I mean, that's another message in and of itself. Nobody should build anything without a building plan. Even the Lord Jesus said that. You don't go build something without counting the cost. You don't go, go start something without deciding what you're actually going to. To build, if you're building a house without a building plan, I ain't living with you. There's got to be a plan. Somebody needs to know what they're going to deal with. It also it drives home the whole idea that we got to prioritize needs over wants. You know, you might want to live in a mansion, but you can't afford it, so a cabin will do. Again, another message for another day. Valuable lessons that would be helpful for us. But I think there's something far more basic and fundamental that we find here in the scripture. You have to get things done in the field. What does that mean? The field is the place where you're going to grow your crop. It's what's going to put food on the table. You can build the nicest barn that has ever been built, but if the field is empty, you're going to look through it. It ain't going to make a bit of sense for you to build the grandest house that anybody in your neighborhood's ever seen, but when the harvest time comes and there's no harvest to put food on your table and to take food to market to pay the mortgage, you're going to look foolish. You better make sure right here and right now that you are doing what it takes to ensure that there will be a harvest. 
that there will be something growing in the field come July so that by August or September somebody's got something to eat. Solomon said, you get the field going first. You get moving in the field. Don't worry about your house. Just live in the tent for a little while. But make sure you get a pile down in the dirt. Make sure you get some seed planted because come harvest time you got to have something. There's divine priority in the Word of God. We read to the book of Acts, chapter 7. And we got a New Testament book talking about some Old Testament events. Acts chapter 7 and verse 44 says, Our fathers had the tabernacle of wilderness, I mean, a witness in the wilderness, as he had appointed, speaking unto Moses, that he should make it according to the fashion that he had seen, which also our fathers that came after brought in with Jesus into the possession of the Gentiles, whom God drave out before the face of our fathers to the days of David, who found favor before God and desired to find a tabernacle and to tent for the God of Jacob. But Solomon built him a house. But then it says, Howbeit, the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands. As saith the prophet, Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What house will you build me, saith the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Now, you know, this, this makes about as much sense in the New Testament as it did in the Old if you just look at it on the surface. Because we would see in Scripture that the Lord did not have a problem with Solomon building a house. He told David, because David wanted to do it initially, I didn't ask you to build me a house. I didn't tell you to build me a house. You know good well, David. I'm the God of all the heavens. I'm never going to fit into a building. David knew that. David just wanted to honor his God. David wanted to put some, some permanence to where they all came to worship God and, and, and some consistency in what they did and amongst God's people. And God told him, it's good that you have this in your heart. Now, he didn't get to do it because of some sin in his life and because of some bloodshed in his life, but, but his son Solomon would get to, and God was pleased with Solomon building the house. It wasn't bad that they built a house for God. But I want you to remember, there was a lot of time between the tents of Abraham and Sarah and the temple that Solomon built. We got a whole lot of things that would take place between that tent or that tabernacle in the wilderness before it became a solid structure in Jerusalem. And a lot of times and a lot of events would transpire between the time that God spoke to Moses and said, make the tent all the way up until the day when Solomon built this permanent house for God. Why would all this time pass? Why would all of these events take place? Because along the way, lessons had to be learned. Hearts and minds needed to be reset. The land needed to be conquered. What good would it do to march on 
But since for that day, there were some things that they were going to have to conquer first. There were some things they were going to have to overcome first. There were some things they were going to have to go through first before the day was ever going to come to put this permanent building and structure. Things needed to be right in the field. Amen. Before they ever built the house, I've come to tell you, there's some divine priority that needs to be in place in your life. And before you're worried about some of these things about the church and some of these things about the house of God, you need to get things right in your soul. You need to get things right in your home. And you need to become a witness for God. Some of the best soul winners in all the world are those that got saved yesterday. Don't you ever tell somebody that just got filled with the Holy Ghost that they're not ready to be a soul winner. I don't care what kind of mess it sounds like. We'll get all that fixed. We'll get all that right over time. You just let them go on and tell everybody, breathe, and then listen to them about what God did in their life. Amen. You let them get to work in God's field before you start being overly concerned about the kind of house that they're building. Oh, good to God, but we get tired of picking out every problem and every weakness and everything that's wrong in the house and get back out in the field and do the work of the kingdom. It's about time to get back to something. It's about time to get back to being a witness for the Lord. 
Those mm -hmm. words ever be spoken about the church of the living God. I mean, we're living today. Y'all have told me, y'all have confessed, they got yourself back into a corner. Almost everybody in here believes the Lord is coming, and they believe he's coming soon. Right? So if you ain't want a soul yet, what are you waiting on? If you ain't want as many as you think you need to, what is it that you're waiting on? If you've not been filled with the Holy Ghost yet, why are you not at an altar? Come on, somebody. God forbid that the, the, the voice of heaven can speak again. And so your summer's over and the harvest is past and they're still lost. God forbid when I stand before the throne of God, I will stand there with multitudes upon multitudes of people that this church has won into the kingdom of God. It's time to get busy about the Father's business. Matthew chapter 20, go there with me if you would. A handful of verses, but I want you to see something that normally not the punchline of this story. Matthew 20, verse 1. Jesus said, For the kingdom of heaven is like an old man that's a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent into his vineyard. He went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, I'll give you. And they went their way. Again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and said unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? And saying to him, Because no man's iris. Said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when the evil was come, the Lord of the vineyard said unto his steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last and the first. And when they came that were hired, about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more. And they likewise received every man a penny. But when they received it, they murmured against the goodman of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour. And thou hast made them equal to us, which have borne the burden in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst thou not agree with me for a penny? Take that thine ends and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Now, most of you, if you're being honest, will say there's Always, if you've ever heard it before, there's always been something about this story that just you don't set right. You don't set right with our sensibilities, especially in the old, good old U.S. of A. Because we're all up on our high horse all the time about fairness, and it just don't seem all that. Well, I know you're all acting spiritual right now, like you don't think. But you go to work next week, and your co-worker who's used up all their vacation time, so the only way they can not be at work is to take unpaid time, and they just don't show up all week until about 2.30 on Friday afternoon, and they work a couple hours and go home, and then on next Friday, they get the same paycheck you got. Right. And we'll just see how spiritual you are. Because right. it don't sit right 
And that, that is where, you know, that's where the preacher has to show up and, and, and talk about the fact that, you know, the, the Lord is talking about salvation here. And if you get salvation and you get all your sins washed away, whether you got saved 85 years ago or whether you got saved 85 seconds before the rapture trumpet sounds, that ought to be enough to drive us to do as much for the kingdom of God as we can. That's what you normally get from the preacher. There's something else going on here. There were some that went to work first thing in the morning. But four more times throughout the day, the master went out. And every time, he found men doing nothing, just standing around shooting breeze every time. There's not a church in this country that doesn't have somebody idle. Somebody that's showing up on Sunday, but they're not ever talking about Jesus on Monday. Somebody that's coming on Wednesday night and they're putting a few dollars in the offering plates, but they're not being a witness for God. Every church is going to have people that are sitting idle. But why? Why? When God has washed away more sins than we even want to remember, or God forbid we ever even have to talk about law, when God has taken everything we've ever done and put it under the blood of Jesus, and on top of that, when we messed up from that day forward, He still told us that if we'll come back and we'll confess our sins, He'll forgive us of those things again. When we have all of that in God, why would we be idle? Why would we sit back? Amen. In chapter 9 and verse 37, that same Jesus had said to His disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are Isn't it amazing that the master went out five times that day? And he hired every time. Why? Because the master knew the size of the harvest. The master knew what was standing in the field. And so he says, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. I know Wednesday nights we're talking about loving each other. We're talking about talking right with each other. We're talking about getting That's some it. things right in the house of God and That's we're going to keep on doing it. But I've come to tell you we got to do more than just sit around the table and sing the songs of time. We have got to get up and be about our Father's business. He said, don't pray that my people will live safely in the house and be safe from everything the enemy sends their way. Don't pray that they live in a bigger house and have more blessings. He said, if you're going to pray a prayer that I'm concerned about, pray that I'll send laborers into the field. That is the day in which we're living. The Lord is coming. The harvest is already ready. It's time to go out and get it. So now what? 
else you've had to sit through. One more message on soul Now that you have to endure one more message from this preacher about not being idle and one more message about the fact that we need to be doing something for the kingdom of God. What now? What is the first step? Come back with me to the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Solomon didn't write this book. This part of the book was written about Solomon. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 12. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. The house that he was built. It was done. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. You see, Solomon had prayed about this because Solomon knew the way of people. He was smart. And he knew things are rocking along pretty well right now, but I know how people are. The days will come when we're going to mess up. We're going to sin. And we're going to action. And we're going to have the judgment of God crawl upon us. And so Solomon began to pray early. Lord, I want you to make a promise that no matter how bad it gets out there, if they'll pray towards this house, you'll hear us, you'll forgive us, you'll make things right. So the Lord said, if I shut up heaven, then there be no earth. If I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. Verse 14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin. But there's no period and heal their land. Now my eyes shall be open and my ears attempt unto the prayer that is made in this place. For now have I chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. What this tells me God ain't worried about the house. It's built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. They can burn down our works. Even Jesus himself speaks through the Spirit, through the Apostle, and said all of our works are going to be tried by fire, and some of our works aren't going to survive. There's some stuff we do for God gets burned up. There's some stuff we don't do wisely. There's some stuff we do foolishly. There's some things we do in the wrong direction. It doesn't turn into anything. But the foundation's still there. God told Solomon, no matter what happens, I'm going to hear the prayers pray from this house. You talk about a promise, church. If we stop worrying about God and start worrying about His harvest, Amen. 
We'd see more of those miracles and signs and wonders that God said would follow those that believe, which means idle people never see miracles, signs, and wonders. Idle churches never see revival. Idle churches never have a harvest. But you let God worry about the house and you get out of the field. Amen.
You planted tomatoes and the tomatoes dried up. You planted squash and you never saw anything else come out on the vine. Everything you've done has turned into nothing. When you look around, the church pews are empty, and you've invited people to church and they have come. You gave a Bible study, but they didn't repent. What are you supposed to do? Pray. When the preacher gets up and he preaches his guts out, and not one person repents, and he can't remember the last time he baptized somebody, what is a preacher supposed to do? He's supposed to pray. Amen. Our flesh and the devil is trying to convince us that when all else fails, pray. That I'm going to tell you today, you need to pray so that everything else won't fail. Amen. Our flesh don't like this stuff. I want to see some action. Why do we say that? Because we think prayer is not action. Well, maybe you don't, but some people do. I've heard it before. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know you're going to pray about it. Don't be mad at me if I tell you I'm going to pray about something. Because right. right. you need me praying about it more than you need me talking about it. Now, let me be honest with you. I've got a whole lot more trouble in my mouth than I ever have with my prayers. Because God can handle my attitude. God can handle my weaknesses. God can handle my problems. You might not. We become deceived in the thinking that prayer is that thing we tack on as now we lay ourselves down to sleep. We want it all to be is when our eyes pop open in the morning and we come to our faculties. We need to go talk to God before we ever talk to a living soul, before we ever pop in at work, before we ever get behind the wheel. Because it doesn't matter how bad the fields look. It doesn't matter how many things the locusts have eaten. If I'll humble myself and I'll stop sinning and I'll touch heaven with my prayers, he'll hear every prayer I pray. We've got to stop thinking that prayer is just a thing that enables us to do the work of God. I know I'm upset your theology right now. We think we're supposed to pray so that we can do the work of God. But what we need to realize is that prayer is the highest form of the work of God. Church, y'all know how I, I feel about missionaries. And I will tell you, God, I'm sure has to be careful what he says to me because it won't take much. I just have to feel an inclination to go halfway around the world. Let's go, Jesus. God's called us to. I see Marshall. When they come, I want to drag every penny I can out of your pockets and give it to them. When I hear about some kind of problem, I don't want to be the one first in line to say, hey, we're going to take care of it. We're going to do it. I know we can't always do it, but I do it every time we can. I want to help a lot. I want to be a part of what's happening. But here's the truth. Yeah, we got to give. Yeah, we got to do all those things. 
But when we give, and even when we go, we're moving things down here in the earth. But when we pray, we're moving things in the heads. Do you realize that when some people showed up with the disciples and were trying to bring up some criticism about them not paying taxes, the Lord said, go fishing. Go fishing. They went fishing and pulled in a fish and there was money in the fish's mouth. Some of y'all are fishermen. Hey, at one time we ever pulled a hundred dollar bill out of the fish's mouth. But God can do what he wants to. Well, I know I'm supposed to give and I'm going to keep on giving. I know I'm supposed to work and I'm going to keep on working. But if there's anything I can convince you today to do above all else is to recomplete yourself in your prayer closet. Lord, I get a hold of God because prayer moves heaven. Jeremiah chapter 1. I'm about done. Read aside. I'm going to My wife come. Prophet Jeremiah. We've been prophetess has been called. It's been said of Jeremiah, and he's the only one that ever had convert. Well, there's some times I, I've got a little antsy before I had to pray about it. God, please tell me if my parents didn't name me Jeremy for some prophetic reason. <laughs> please tell me I'm not going to minister my whole life and not see souls. You know, you, you, you want to take a good move and make it plummet. Just, just read some certain chapters of Jeremiah. You ain't no feel to that. They, they hated his guts. Because he never seemed to have anything good to say. It was all doom and blood and destruction. And yet in the very first chapter, the story of his calling to be a prophet of God. Verse 9 says, And the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put thy words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee, you, Jeremiah, over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build, and to plant. Find some time one day in your Bible reading plan. You read the rest of the book of Jeremiah. You'll never find where he raised his sword. You'll never find where he raised his sword to go after the enemies of God. I know there was an unfortunate incident that took place, but there was no Jeremiah leading an army. There was no Jeremiah sitting on the throne and issuing edicts. But you will find him thrown a well. You will find him under arrest. You will find him hauled away from the land of his nativity to be a captive in battle with everybody else. And if God said, Jeremiah, I have set you over the nations and over the kingdoms. 
Why? He said, because I've taken my words and I put them in your mouth. And when Jeremiah began to speak against Babylon, and when Jeremiah began to speak against the nations and the kingdoms of this world, heaven moved Amen. to bring the will of God to pass. I wish somebody, I wish at least one person would wake up and walk out of this church service today with a greater realization of who you are. I don't have to make you pick and time. I don't have to strap on guns and score the capital. I can pray heaven now. Amen. I can touch God and God can move the kingdoms of men. God can move to accomplish His will. Stand. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. says, For the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. It doesn't mean we're pansies. It doesn't mean we're weak. But mighty is God. Through pulling down the strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that draws itself in the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. If you'll seek the Lord this morning, the Holy Spirit of God can possess your soul. If you want to die, if you can pray and touch heaven today, God can open the doors of this city. God can open the doors of this state. God can turn the hearts of this entire nation back to God if He wants to. Amen. But our work is done. Power of God is upon our lips today. Would you pray? Would you seek the Lord? If you're lost, don't go home lost. Come and find out what I'm talking about. Let God fill you with the Spirit. You Holy Ghost filled saints, touch heaven today. Don't sit on the view with the idol. 